Welcome to A Reason for Hope, your question connection with the entire Word of God. We'd love for you to join the conversation. Simply follow us on our Facebook page at Calvary Christian Fellowship. If you have a question, please text or email us at questionsforhope at gmail.com. And on today's episode, we have a special guest. Let's tune in. Good afternoon, morning, or evening to you. Welcome to another edition of A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope for those of you coming across our webcast, podcast, broadcast, any other kind of cast <laughs> uh, that we can think of, is our daily journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. That's certainly where you come in. It's your questions that determine the content of each and every edition of A Reason for Hope. So if you've got any question relating to the Bible, how the Bible maybe relates to uh, your life and circumstances currently. Maybe you'd like to dig deeper into the Bible, uh, increase your understanding of even those passages that make you kind of go say, hmm, every once in a while when you come across them. We'd love to take a look at those with you. Uh, Perhaps you've been asked a tough question or two uh, about uh, the reliability of the Bible and uh, the Christian life in general. Uh, We'd love to be able to tackle those questions. Uh, Maybe it's a question you've been asked. Maybe it's a question you've always wanted to ask. Uh, We only have one standard for the question that we entertain here on A Reason for Hope. Just make sure it's a sincere question, and if uh, you would like to get an answer straight from the Bible, we'll be happy to do our best to provide it. The events of the day, even the events of tomorrow uh, through biblical prophecy, always on the table here on A Reason for Hope, joined here in studio uh, by uh, our uh, pinch hitter, for uh, my normal right-hand man, protege all-around good guy, Sean Richards, who's still under the weather. We really appreciate your prayers, uh, lifting him up. Uh, Dave Robson, thanks so much, Dave, for uh, being so flexible and the, the wonderful job we've been uh, seeing you do and the, the fun we've been having answering questions. It's been great. Uh, it's people want to get questions to us. How can they do that? Several ways. You can email us at questionsforhope at gmail.com. That's questionsforhope at gmail.com. Or if you are you know, watching this live stream, then um, you're probably on Facebook or YouTube or our website or one of those places. You can send us your questions on those uh, comment uh, sections, comment corners on there. Uh, Facebook slash CCF Tucson, you'll find us there. YouTube, search for A Reason for Hope, and you'll find us there too. And our website is Calvary Christian Fellowship. Um, Dot com And uh, I didn't mention, but we're also on Roku and Apple TV. So you may yeah. want to, if you have, you may not know, you might want to watch, watch us on your big screen. Bigger so picture. Your bigger picture. <laughs> Maybe not. Keep yeah. it on. Just keep it on your phone. <laughs> Let's yeah, see the better. True. Speaking for myself personally. True. But, but uh, if you have an Apple TV um, device or Roku, um, you can find us on there. Um, we have our app as well that you can find out details on our website um, through Subsplash. So many, many ways you can get hold of us. But do send along your questions. We will be monitoring those. Okay. Well, having said that, let's uh, go before the Lord and commit our time in His Word into His hands. Father, I thank you that as we approach this broadcast, it's so good to remember, Lord, that you say where two or more would gather in your name, you'd be there in the midst. Uh, Lord, we've got uh, Dave and myself here in the studio uh, at, at a minimum, but we know there's people literally all around the world that are tuning in and wanting to uh, be edified and comforted and exhorted by your word. Mm. Uh, Lord, we confess before you that we have no wisdom or knowledge that dwells in us natively or naturally that we need to share. We want to speak your truth, Lord, your whole truth and nothing but your truth. So guide uh, and direct our conversation, uh, lead us into the questions that you would have us to uh, 
uh, answer. And uh, Lord, we pray that as you promised, your word would not return to you void, but accomplish everything that you sent it out to do. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. 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 I have a question, actually, which might was on my heart, might uh, serve a lot of people watching, perhaps. Um, for you, Pastor Scott. Okay. Um, for people who are maybe intimidated by the Bible, you know, maybe they they feel like they, you know, have a good grasp of you know the life of Jesus and the Gospels, but you start to go south into the Old Testament and you've got the judges and you've got prophets and genealogies and genealogies oh and yeah. all those things, and yeah. you know, of course, Revelation and all the the pictures and and symbolism and stuff. Um, what was it maybe from your life or what are some tips if someone's just wanting to get a better grasp of the Word of God and the Bible, just feel like they want a better kind of roadmap to start to grow in those things? Yeah, well, Dave, uh, when I became a believer back in the 70s, um, you know, there really weren't a lot of those roadmaps uh, available. I mean, there were some, um, you know, study Bibles purported to be studied by the Schofield Reference Bible and mm. things like this, but really, uh, and it does a good job for what it does, but if you're a newbie and you open it up and all you're seeing is uh, all these footnotes telling you to look up other verses, mm. it can uh, get to be quite intimidating. Uh, you know, the first thing that really hit me uh, when I began to read the Bible, you know, I've shared before, <laughs> I tried to read the Bible once before I was a believer, uh, someone told me there were UFOs in the book of Ezekiel. Mm. And I thought, oh, well, you know, we were on a family vacation driving through Utah or someplace like that, going to Yellowstone. And uh, we stopped at this hotel and they had a Gideon's Bible there. So first thing I did was open to the book of Ezekiel. And wow, what a place to dive on in. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, I started, that was too much. I started flipping through, uh, you know, to different passages and so on. Uh, and I thought, well, let's go back to Genesis. And uh, first I could sort of track with it, but it was the old King James. And and uh, you had strange names with accent marks on them and people begetting and begotting. And, mm -hmm. and uh, before too long, uh, you know, I came to the uh, conclusion that it was absolutely incomprehensible. Yeah. You know, why in the world was this the bestseller of all time? Uh, who in the world can understand it? What a shock it was to me after receiving Christ as my Savior and being given uh, a, uh, a little Gideon's Bible uh, to begin to read. And, and suddenly the uh, passages are just jumping off the page mm. at me. Uh, you know, I uh, decided that, you know, the, the uh, idea of God as an old Englishman, no offense, uh, <laughs> was uh, a little archaic. And uh, a friend got me uh, one of those uh, groovy, the way living Bibles with the Jesus people on the cover. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that was very helpful to me because uh, it was in modern English and uh, was very readable. But uh, after a time, I kept seeing all these footnotes that kept saying implied uh, after all, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the verses. And, and someone finally explained to me that the Living Bible was not a translation of the Bible, it was a paraphrase. It was what this fellow, mm -hmm. Kenneth Taylor, uh, thought the Bible was saying. And so I thought, you know, if I'm gonna uh, really have a, a deep uh, relationship with God, I, I need to find a Bible that I can read, uh, but is uh, more easily understandable. And so, you know, uh, that led me to the New American Standard Bible. Uh, which uh, you know, I think it was first the NIV that I read and then the New American Standard and so on. 
But uh, the thing that is really helpful today, I think more than anything else, is there's really good study Bibles out there mm. that are designed for people that are just getting their feet wet. You know, you don't have to sort of go through the school of hard knocks like I did uh, early on. Uh, but a couple things I would say. First of all, uh, the, the Bible is an amazing book because it comes uh, complete with its own author to guide you into its truth. Uh, Jesus said, when the spirit of truth has come, he alone will guide you into all truth. And uh, the Bible is, is Holy Spirit inspired. And one of the things that we can do that can take us a long way towards understanding the message is simply pray uh, before you start diving in and uh, you know ask the Lord to to speak to you ask some basic questions as you read through the Bible you know when I uh, was involved with journalism there are the traditional uh, questions that you would ask in order to report a story who where what when and how hmm. uh, you know you apply those things to the Bible and slow down and start asking these questions you can pretty much figure out what's going on. Uh, the other thing that I think is really helpful is uh, the study Bibles that we have today are, are geared uh, to sort of lead you into a deeper and deeper understanding of God's truth. You know, for instance, uh, Greg Laurie's organization puts out a New Believers uh, Study Bible, mm -hmm. uh, which is you know, going to be very readable and is going to have some notes that are, are definitely designed to, as uh, the great Bible teacher J. Vernon McGee used to say, put the cookies on the bottom shelf where the kiddies can get at them. And that's a good place to start. I, you know, I uh, recommend uh, the Word for Today study Bible uh, that contains uh, the explanatory notes from Pastor Chuck Smith, mm -hmm. because I think that's a good next step. You know, uh, the Chuck Smith's uh, ministry, the genius of it, I think, was to teach, uh, simply teach God's Word simply. That was yeah. the motto. And uh, when you read the uh, explanatory notes, in the uh, Word for Today study Bible, very easy uh, to follow along and track with. Well, you know, you get going on that, and maybe you want something that's a little bit more in-depth. Uh, you know, you can graduate uh, up to, you know, one of the uh, study Bibles that I highly recommend is uh, the uh, Thomas Nelson New King James Study Bible. Uh, the uh, general editor was Dr. Earl Rodmacher, a very solid, uh, you know, amazing man of God. Uh, and uh, the study notes in it are, you know, take you probably as deep as you want to get. Uh, they're pretty good about giving you, uh, you know, pretty much all of the different takes on mm. controversial passages without saying, well, we kind of come down here, uh, which is good. You know, you can dig into that and look through it. As I say, I don't agree with every take that they have in the uh, New King James Study Bible, but they do a really, really good job of leading you along and showing you where you can uh, look into other passages of Scripture or come to understanding about, you know, what is being involved here, what kind of literature you're dealing with here, the culture, the language that can um, sort of illuminate things for you along the way. Mm -hmm. So by using some of those helps, uh, that's great, but it's no substitute for simply taking a moment to pray. And, you know, for those of you out there who have uh, gone to church and, uh, boy, it just seemed like uh, the, the message was bouncing off your forehead and coming straight back at you, uh, let me uh, share with you just a, a challenging exhortation. How much time did you spend praying before you got to church hmm. that the Lord would lead you into all truth or that he would speak to you uh, about that passage? You know, oftentimes we're looking for church to jumpstart us, to bring us into a place where we can hear from the Lord. 
But uh, boy, just a, a simple five minutes before you know all the chaos of getting everybody together and getting to church and and so on. Uh, a simple five minutes uh, of praying and asking the Lord to quiet your heart, uh, to recognize that you're not there by accident, that God wants to speak things to you, that that God wants to even share His truth through you with other people who need it, make all the difference in the world. So whether it's personal devotions. Uh, whether it's uh, you know digging into the Word of God, remember uh, God wants to speak to us through His Word. That's the goal in mind there. Not just to understand it in an intellectual way. Right. Not just to make sure that all our T's are crossed and I's are dotted doctrinally. Although that's important. The most important thing is to really have the Lord speak to you. Yeah. So you know yeah. these are some things, some tools you can use. No substitute for the the uh, illuminating ministry of the Holy Spirit. Right, and we certainly. I mean. We have so much information um, that we have access to on the internet and all these study notes. Uh, Pastor David Guzik's commentary as well, I've used a lot. Yeah. Really. EnduringWord.com. Just, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Enduring Word. Really good. Real, very, very good. Sim, you know, simple and, and uh, I use that a lot, you know, preparing Bible studies. And I know for me, um, maybe the intimidation came, especially when I came on staff here 15 years ago however long that was now but wanting to be able to use the word you know wanting to be a, a pastor that that knew the word and could use the word and something i found that someone i don't know who i can't remember but told me at some point just worry about getting the word in and let god get it out right you know? and it was amazing how many times because here in the office the phone goes you never know who it's going to be, you know, yeah. what it's going to be, sure. what kind of situation people go, you know, yeah. <laughs> you really don't. And people would have, I got it so often, like, well, I, I was too, especially back when it was a, a Reason for Hope was a radio program, I was too shy to call the radio show, so I thought I'd call the church, you know, and ask someone like me instead. I'm like, great, yeah, I really have the same set of gifts that Pastor Scott does. <laughs> <laughs> but it was amazing how many times consistently um, they would ask their question, and it was literally something I just read or just heard taught. You know, and and so it really encouraged me. God knows, God knows what we know. He wants to use us. Um, like you said, it's not just a, a case of uh, being puffed up with knowledge. Like we want to be, we want to know God, and we want to be used right. by Him. And He knows what we know. He knows where we're at in our walk with Him, and um, He uh, He knows the the things we have read and the things we've studied and experienced. Experience, and He'll put us in situations where He can can use that. So I guess knowing that God is shepherding us in our growth and study yeah. helps with the intimidation as well. Yeah, um, and, and experience is a great teacher. Uh, you know, there are, are people that will say, you know, oh, sharing my faith, I can never do that because what if someone asked me a question I don't know the answer to? Well, first of all, right. being asked a question you don't know the answer to is a great thing if it causes you to dig for an answer. And all you have to do in that set of circumstances is say to that person, you know, that's a really good question. I'll look into that and I'll get an answer for you. Mm. And if uh, they just kind of come after you like, ah, you know, and they start uh, jumping on, then they didn't really want an answer anyway. So, you know, you've saved yourself some time. But, uh, you know, if people say, yeah, well, I'd appreciate it if you would. Uh, well, first of all, you're going to dig in and look into uh, the issue. And because you did, it's going to stick with you. Yeah, you know, especially because you're like, ooh, man, I, you know, I, I tell people, I, I, I don't remember nearly as much of the information I got right on tests in school as the ones that I right. got wrong. Yeah, you know, because then you go, oh man, why did yeah. I miss that, and, and so on. Well, and, and so that that's a good place to start. The other thing that I found is there's just about eight basic questions that non-believers have hmm. about the Christian faith. Hmm. Eight, just you know, and if you've got those eight 
down, yeah. uh, you can pretty much be prepared for any kind, even antagonistic conversation that someone's going to have. I wrote a, a booklet uh, for the Calvary Basics series called Answers for Skeptics, right. where we go through that. And, and if you'd like to get a copy of that, we can uh, yeah, give us get in contact with us. We can make arrangements for you mm-hmm. uh, to get a hold of that. But you know, the thing that I really want to encourage people is this. You know, oh my goodness, you know, you share your faith with these non-believers and stuff like that. You must really, no. You know, it, 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 it's funny how you get asked the same questions over and over mm-hmm. and over again. And the same is true in ministry. The, the questions that people have about a relationship with God, every once in a while, one will come out of left field that maybe you haven't ever heard before. I don't uh, preclude that possibility. Most of the, the issues of the heart that people have, very, very common. Mm-hmm. You know, No temptation is overtaking you, but such as is common demand. Yeah. And so if uh, we've worked through those issues ourselves, as you say, God's worked out those issues in our own heart, uh, and has led us to great and precious promises that have made the difference. Then we got something to share with people. Yeah. You know, ministry's been called the overflow of a life that's flat out in love with God. That's yeah. what it is. Right. And it's not just for pastors, it's for all of us. So yeah. uh, if, if we just have that vital connection with God, He's teaching us, uh, we're in a uh, humble enough place to not filibuster uh, or uh, say, well, I'm really glad you asked me that question, then just go off on another tangent. Yeah. You know, but just say, hey, you know, I'll look into that. Yeah. Um, God's going to honor that. Yeah. And people pick up on that sincerity, too. Yeah. yeah. I think I've had that kind of relationship with my, with my brother, my biological brother, um, as over the years as we've talked, you know, and I think maybe at first I was a little more prideful, but I've grown to be more like, hey, I don't. That's an interesting point. You know, I don't know. Let me go away and study that and pray about that. And, and that's good. You know, we don't want to come off of people that think we know it all, but we certainly know the one who does. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> we can seek him in that. But yeah. Um, yeah. So we have, um, thanks. Thank you for, for sharing that. I hope that was. Hey, we, we got a question for, from your son. I know. I was just <laughs> going to say, we have, I have a few questions here. Not that we play favorites. <laughs> yeah, yes, we do. But, but, but we'll, we'll, we'll move them right to the front of the I line. I know. When, when, <laughs> when did this happen that I have a son who is, you know, watching and commenting online? He was a, just a baby, just well, in diapers he's, he's, just a few moments I, ago. I have it on uh, uh, good uh, report that he's been hanging out with my son. So yes. there you go. There you go. You, you can... That's got to be trouble. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he has a question. It's interesting because I have a few here that are a similar theme. So we might be able to sort of touch on this whole um, this whole kind of area, which is based around what happens when we die, basically. So my son, London. Hello, son. He says, do you think there's a place we go before heaven and hell, some kind of holding place? And then a question for Megan. I know Christians will get a new glorified body when we die, but what happens when non-Christians die? Yeah. was wondering this when Stephen Hawkins died. Um, then another question here, it's, uh, there's no name to it, but if a person dies and is not saved, what happens to their soul? Where do they go? Um, and well, then let's, uh, let's jump in and take those uh, one at a time. Okay. Uh, London's question is, is a good one. You know, do you think there's a place we go before heaven and hell? Well, there are some, London, that believe that. They call it purgatory. And uh, essentially, it's a doctrine that says that if you've committed sins that aren't it's from the Roman Catholic Church, but other uh, branches of uh, Christendom in general teach it as well, uh, it says something to this effect, that uh, if you've committed things that aren't uh, mortal sins, can't be forgiven. Uh, And you die in somewhat of a state of grace connected to the church. There is a halfway point between heaven and hell 
that you go to called purgatory. Mm. And as the name implies, you go there to have your sins that you didn't really work off of here uh, purged from you, burned away from you. Uh, it's, a, it's an ongoing process. Believe it or not, uh, in Roman Catholic theology, unless you are deemed a saint by the Roman Catholic Church, that's where you go after you die. Oh, wow. Everybody's there. Mm. And, uh, you know, uh, my step-grandfather, uh, Irish Catholic, uh, passed away, uh, had a classic Irish Catholic Requiem Mass. I uh, was one of his pallbearers, so I had the opportunity to be able to be there. And uh, they were very upfront about the fact that, you know, if, uh, say, for instance, we prayed the rosary or uh, we made a donation to the church, that we could get years off of George's time in purgatory, uh, and we could help him on his spiritual journey. Mm. Well, very uh, elaborate kind of a doctrine, uh, as you can probably imagine, and probably very motivating for a lot of people mm. in terms of, you know, oh my goodness, you know, I've really got to get busy or I'm going to be there forever, uh, kind of a thing. But uh, does the Bible teach that? No, it does not, uh, for a few reasons. Uh, first of all, London, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9 and verse 27, we are told, it is given a man once to die, and after that comes the judgment. In other words, there isn't an interim place. You, you know, you either you pass from this life, and this is where life makes up its mind uh, for all eternity. You either receive God's grace and are forgiven for your sins and are made part of his forever family here, or you reject that. There's no middle ground if you will. There's no second chance. Mormons teach that there is a second chance mm -hmm. for non-believers after death and that uh, you'll get preached to by Mormon elders and then you'll have a chance to receive their particular mm -hmm. uh, brand of religion after death. It's a nice thought. But, but the Bible simply doesn't say that's the case. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 makes that really explicit. Uh, we are also told uh, that uh, as far as uh, our uh, destination after death, uh, there is no uh, breakdown, uh, and we see this very clearly taught in a number of passages in the Gospel of Luke, for instance. In Luke chapter 16, we are given the account of the rich man and Lazarus. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, we could go into a lot of detail about it, but suffice it to say, in light of what your question is here at London, uh, both the rich man and Lazarus were immediately carried to their eternal destination. Uh, the uh, rich man dies finds himself in Abraham's bosom, which was sort of a, a, I guess we would call a waiting place for the righteous uh, prior to the time that Jesus would die and pay the price for sins. Sins were only covered then. Uh, and they were waiting for the fullness of time where Jesus would pay the price for sins and they could go directly into the presence of God. But it's described as paradise, beautiful place. Hmm. But we also see the uh, rich man dying without God, finding himself immediately in a place of torment and uh, that there was a great gulf fixed, uh, that uh, once you were in your spot, you were in your spot. Mm. That was it. There wasn't a second chance. Uh, the rich man even altruistically says, well, then send Lazarus back so he can warn my brothers about this place, lest they come here. And Abraham says, well, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And say, well, no, if someone comes back from the dead, then they'll listen. Because even if someone, Abraham says, even if someone came back from the dead, if they won't hear the scriptures, they won't hear him. Mm. You know, boom, there you go. Jesus' conversation with the thief uh, that he was crucified with on the cross. We'll be talking about this on Sunday. Uh, you know, the, the uh, one, uh, two thieves were crucified with Jesus. One berated him. Uh, and then 
the, and the other was joining in. But the, you know, in the six hours they were hanging together in the cross, the other thought better of it and said, uh, you know, don't you fear God, uh, seeing that we are under the same condemnation and, even, and we indeed justly, for we deserve this punishment for the deeds we've done. He looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Mm. Jesus looked at him and said, truly I say to you, this day you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say, oh man, you're a thief, you know, you're a murderer. Uh, man, you've got a lot of uh, yeah, 250 uh, years and uh, venial sins to burn yeah. off there. Uh, no, he said, "This day you'll Today, be with me yeah. in paradise." Um, you know, and so uh, one of the things that we need to understand uh, about this, the the really good news is nothing can separate us from the love of God. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 14, "Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me." My Father's house are many mansions. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Uh, God is far more interested in us spending eternity with him than we are in even being here. And uh, we will instantaneously be in that condition. The moment we pass from this life, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 6 says, So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Uh, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Now, notice that's a seamless transition there, London. It isn't to be absent from the body, is to go to this interim place, and then you can be present with the Lord. Mm. Uh, no, you're instantaneously in the presence of the Lord now, uh, spiritually, the moment we breathe our last. So, Wow. So I, I hope that helps you. And, yeah. and some of those other follow-up questions relating to yeah, that. Yeah, relating to that. Um, so if a person, I guess uh, maybe um, maybe you could talk about, you know, what happens, kind of the process, process when we die, whether we're a believer or not a believer. This question is, if a person dies and is not saved, what happens to their soul and where do they go? Well, so if, you know, maybe the best uh, scripture to look at if you want to examine that is Jesus' account of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16. Uh, the reason I call it an account, some people call it a parable, but uh, when Jesus was teaching parables, he was really good about telling you that a parable is coming down the pike. He'd say, mm. here's the parable of, or, or the kingdom of, of God is like. Uh, this one, he doesn't introduce it as a parable. He simply launches in with this description of what's going on in the afterlife. Uh, secondly, in the parables of Jesus, he never uses proper names. In this parable, he uses at least two, maybe three. Hmm. We've got Lazarus, who yeah. is proper name. We've got Abraham, which is a proper name. Hmm. Uh, Moses is mentioned, which is a proper name. But, but even interestingly, uh, the uh, word for rich man, Dives in Greek, uh, carries the idea of being a proper name. In other words, hmm. he would be like someone named Rich. <laughs> and he, it was ironic because he was very rich, hmm. uh, but he didn't care about anybody else but himself and his riches. So, you know, we do see, in a sense, Jesus parting the curtain and uh, letting us see what's on the other side. Now, for those of us who are believers, we don't go to Abraham's bosom anymore. Uh, we are told that when Jesus died, he led captivity captive in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, that was a picture of a Roman victory parade. When the Roman generals would come back, they would lead people that were, say, oppressed 
by uh, the, uh, the defeated enemy or individuals who were prisoners of war. They would walk gratefully behind the Roman general as a way of saying, we're free now. Well, that idea of leading captivity captive is this picture of Jesus taking all of these Old Testament saints who are looking forward in time to when Jesus would pay the price for their sins and leading them with him into the glories of heaven. Mm. And from that time onward, uh, we have that kind of access that is going on. For those who die without Christ, however, they end up now in a waiting room, if you will. They're not in hell, per se. Uh, They are in a place of darkness. They're in a place of torment. It is not a pleasant place to be. But they are awaiting uh, what Revelation chapter 20 describes as the great white throne judgment, which will happen when God finishes his dealings here on planet Earth. Those who died without Christ, without receiving his forgiveness, are going to get their day in court, if you will. Uh, We're told that books are going to be opened, plural. And uh, the Bible talks about how every day of our lives is written in God's book. Uh, We are told the book of life will be opened and that all whose names were listed in the book of life are going to then enter into what we would call hell or the lake of fire or outer darkness. The Bible uses a lot of different names to describe that. Jesus uh, used the term Gehenna, which described this smoldering garbage dump outside of Jerusalem, which Mm -hmm. was not only a picture of corruption, but the reason it became a valley dump, the Valley of Hinnom, uh, was because it was the place where infant sacrifice to idols used to take place. Mm. So it was not a place of corruption. It was a place of, of intense evil. Uh, it would give you the creeps to walk by there and think about yeah. what used to go on in a place like that. So uh, when the non-believer dies, they await their day in court. Uh, they, you know, For people say, well, I think I'm a pretty good person. I'll take my chances. You'll mm. find out just how good you were and how good you weren't. Uh, you'll be judged not only on the things you did, not only on the things that you didn't do, but also you'll be judged based uh, upon the thoughts and motives and intents of your heart. So, uh, boy, if nothing tells us, A, how much we need forgiveness, mm-hmm. and B, what we've been saved from, it's understanding what the destiny of the lost is going to be. And, uh, you know, the the interesting thing about that, C.S. Lewis has an interesting uh, take on this, that uh, nobody that is in that situation would choose anything else because to choose something else would be to choose to be in the presence of a holy God, which to them would be far worse Hmm. than uh, choosing even the alternatives that we see described as the place of the non-believer. And, you know, the non-believer, you know, it, it isn't just like, oh, we're basically good people and we're just really sorry. And, you know, gee, if we'd only had a second chance, uh, just as we as believers are becoming more and more like Christ in our character when the Lord enters our hearts and in a real sense, our eternal life started the minute we received Christ as our Savior. So those who are without Christ are moving in the opposite direction. Hmm. Uh, and when they pass from this life, this picture of corruption and evil uh, and the rejection of rebellion against God goes into overdrive. Hmm. Uh, and so basically they will have an eternity uh, just being in that corrupt state, hmm. uh, you know, isolated, alone. All of God's good and perfect gifts will not be available to them in that, that state. But uh, none of them would choose the alternative. Uh, It's the old line from uh, uh, Milton, uh, Satan being cast out of heaven and saying better to serve and better to uh, rule in hell than to serve in heaven. Mm. That will be the attitude of the lost. Mm. And really, they wouldn't choose anything else. Yeah. And so 
even for a non-believer, because as a believer, we, we know we receive a glorified body. I mean, even a, even a non-believer would need an, an eternal body, wouldn't necessarily be glorified, but um, they'd receive a new, I mean, this question from Megan was about what happens like with Stephen Hawkins when you know he died. Would he receive, even if he isn't a believer, a new body? Um, it wouldn't necessarily be glorified, but because yeah. you know we're all eternal. Yeah, beings, Revel- Revelation right? twenty does indicate there's going to be a resurrection, in a sense, right. of the non-believer. Yeah, in other words, so they'll receive us, yeah. a body for judgment. Right. Uh, we will receive a body where uh, it's a body for glory. It's right. a body for grace. It's a body that allows us spiritually to be able to interact with God forever. It won't know any kind of uh, sin or fallenness or corruption or any such thing. Uh, which is a wonderful thing, but the non-believer will receive a body in which they will be able to enter into their judgment. Right. It does appear to be the case in uh, uh, Revelation chapter twenty. I don't want to find out what that's like no, personally. No, so and some believe that hell is you know you would be just burnt up you know, but um, I think the Bible is clear that it's an eternal yeah annihilationism state. is is kind of and I understand why some people buy into the idea of someone suffering forever and ever and ever separated from God. Uh, you know, oh my gosh, you know, I just can't wrap my mind around all of that. Uh, But understand something, when we commit a sin, we commit a sin of eternal consequence because we've sinned against an eternal God. It's Mm. not just something that, well, you know, G. Adolf Hitler, you you know, killed six million Jews in World War II, Um, you know, that'll, uh, six billion years and then we'll let you out. Um, No, it's an eternally significant choice that he made and uh, when we decide to reject christ as our savior it's an eternally significant choice that we make there and so some will try to say that uh, you know they'll teach annihilationism and i can see why that would be seductive but the problem is we don't see for instance uh the rich man being annihilated we see him in a place of torment we see him requesting that Lazarus be sent over and dip his finger in water for, uh, and cool his tongue, for he's in agony in this flame. Uh, it does appear uh, that uh, he's not annihilated. It does appear that he is able to process uh, physically what's going on around him, even though he's in a spiritual dimension. Uh, and, uh, you know, when the Bible speaks uh, about the condemnation of the lost, it, it talks about those who receive the mark of the beast in uh, Revelation chapter 14. We're told that the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever Mm. and there's no stronger way of saying forever and ever in the sense that we mean it uh, than Mm. what we see in that language now this is one of those things do i like that doctrine did god run it by me first before you know uh you know i i kind of tremble at it uh but it tells me something if god went to such incredible lengths to make getting out of hell even possible right suffering personally for our sins, Mm. not just physically. We're going to talk about the physical sufferings of Jesus and the spiritual sufferings Mm. uh, this coming Sunday. But uh, to go through all of that so that nobody would ever have to go to hell, um, that tells you about God's attitude. I love a line from Chuck Smith. Uh, He would often say that hell is the hardest place in the universe to get into. Mm. You literally have to climb over the cross of Jesus Christ to get in there. Yeah, And uh, I think that's the perspective. But it is a reality. God is gracious. He is kind. He is merciful. But he is also completely just. Mm. 
and he will not compromise one of those attributes uh, to win a popularity contest or to align his ways with our ways. But understand something, he has done everything possible to make sure that nobody has to go there or nobody needs to go there. Uh, It's all up to us to say, boy, I do need your salvation. And it answers another question, you know, that uh, nonbelievers have. You know, we say saved. Saved from what? Mm. Well, that's what we're saved from, an eternity uh, separated from God where we don't experience any of his good and perfect. Now, people say, do you believe it's a literal lake of fire? Do you believe it's literal out of darkness? It does seem to be described in different ways. Uh, Well, again, C.S. Lewis had a great line about that. He said, uh, you know, don't you think hell is just symbolic? Uh, And he said, we should hope not, because uh, when we say that something's symbolic, what we're saying is the picture that we are given is a symbol that we can understand that relates us to a greater reality that we can't understand. Mm -hmm. You know, if the picture of hell is literal, that's intense enough, but uh, the reality of hell that the pictures of hell and separation from God we find in the scripture. Uh, if it's symbolic, it's even worse than that. Yeah. So wow. the, the message is, hell's real. Don't go there. Jesus yeah. <laughs> died for you so that you wouldn't have to go there. And you know maybe this is a, a great opportunity in the midst of this broadcast to ask you this question. Have you put your faith and your trust mm. in Jesus so you don't have to go to hell? Some people say, I just think it's, it, it, you know, I can't believe that God would accept people into his kingdom just for the lousy reason they didn't want to go to hell. Mm. Well, God doesn't care why you come. He just cares that you come. Mm. And uh, how do we come to Christ? Well, I love what John chapter 5 and verse 24 says, really simplifies things. Jesus said, the one who hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He will not pass into judgment, but is passed from death into life. Mm. If you want to avoid spending eternity separated from God, all you have to do in the privacy of your heart is simply call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved in the book of Romans chapter 10. How do you do that? Well, you simply pray. Uh, you ask the Lord to forgive your sins. You say, Lord, I want you in my life. Please forgive me. Come into my heart. Uh, I give my life to you as best I know how because I believe you gave your life for me. I pray that prayer in the privacy of your heart, put your faith and trust in Jesus. The moment you believe, the Bible says, you become a possessor of everlasting life. So Mm. if you've never done that, just take a moment right where you are and pray and ask the Lord to come into your heart. And uh, Jesus made this wonderful statement in John chapter 6, the one who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. So do it. And today, if you feel like the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart, don't put it off. Uh, sometimes people do and uh, they get distracted or they get hardened or, you know, the moment passes. And uh, boy, uh, you know, you, you really do need to make that decision as the Lord moves on your heart. Do it right now and uh, do something else. Tell somebody that you know, or you can even do it online here, that you prayed and received Jesus as your Savior. Uh, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. Mm. So be a great first step in your walk with God to let somebody know you made that decision to receive Jesus as your Savior. Yeah, awesome. And if you happen to be here in Tucson, Arizona, where we're located, Calvary Christian Fellowship, where we're sitting right now, um, we would love to have to have you. Um, 
there's plenty of room for more. Yeah. Come Sinners on, saved by grace. Yeah. yeah. If you don't have a, we're not interested in poaching people from other churches, but if you don't have a church home, or maybe you prayed the prayer right now to receive the Lord, we're right here. We're near Prince and I-10 on the west side of the freeway. And um, we have a service tonight, in fact, at 6.30 p.m. And on Sunday mornings, three services. So, so do reach out again on one of your chat corners where you're at. We'd love to, to meet you in person and, and um, be with you in this, in this, this walk. Yeah. What a wonderful thing, yeah. Yeah. One more question that's kind of related because it seems to be, you know, in the hearts and minds of people. I know you've mentioned on Sunday a few times that we have a, a whiteboard over in our office with uh, yeah. people that we know here in the church who've passed away just over the last year or two. And um, we've been doing a lot of memorials and um, it kind of prompts and promotes a lot of these questions about what happens when we die, where do we go, you know, how the, the you know, the urgency of all that. So question here, will you meet your loved ones when you are in heaven? That's a probably a big common question you get a lot. Will we be oh, reunited with absolutely. loved ones? And, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and we do get that question quite a bit. You know, sometimes people think, oh, I'm going to be this glorified person, and how's anybody going to recognize anybody, and so on. Well, if that worries you, don't be worried. Uh, great insight into this is found in the book of Matthew chapter 17, the account of uh, the transfiguration of Jesus. Mm took Peter, James, and John, said that you're going to see the kingdom of God coming uh, in glory uh, not too many days hence. He takes them up on a high mountain. I tend to believe it was Mount Hermon, uh, mm -hmm. one of the higher mountains in that area. And uh, when they got to the top, we were told that uh, Jesus' appearance was transfigured so that his face shone like the sun in its glory and his clothing was as bright as lightning. Mm -hmm. Wow. But then, uh, if that wasn't a wow, Peter, James, and John woke up and they saw Jesus in this state, and they saw Moses and Elijah speaking with Jesus about his departure, a literal word in, in Greek is exodon, uh, that he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem not many days hence. Uh, very interesting. Peter looks and says, uh, it is good that we're here. Uh, let us build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, there's an interesting uh, detail there. Had Peter ever seen Moses or Elijah? No. Mm. You know, was there a picture of Moses or Elijah that he could have looked at and said, oh, yeah, I've seen their picture before? Checked his Facebook no. page no, or something. No, but yeah. uh, there, there was no way. Uh, but he saw them in their glorified state. And, uh, you know, I, I heard it taught once, and it really made an impact on me. It was like, you didn't need an introduction. You didn't need name tags because... Moses, in his glorified state, was as Moses-y as God ever meant him to be. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the essence of who he was personally was reflected in mm -hmm. that moment. Uh, Elijah couldn't have been more Elijah-y if he had wanted to be in that particular moment because he was the full, in the fullness of the glory yeah. that God had created him to be. Mm -hmm. and, and so when we get to heaven, uh, we're going to see our loved ones. They're going to be different then we remember them because they're not going to have any human defects. Uh, you know, they're not going to have any of the, uh, the uh, debilitating aspects of sin and so forth. But uh, we're going to recognize them. And uh, they're going to recognize us. Don Stewart, our good friend, uh, who did uh, Pastor's Perspective for so many years. And uh, if uh, you want to get some great information, go to educatingyourworld.com uh, and uh, great materials that he finds there. But when he's asked that question, he always has an answer for it. He said, uh, you know, when I get to heaven, chances are uh, I'm going to understand a lot more then than I do now. Mm. Uh, sometimes he will facetiously say, I will not be a greater fool in heaven than I am right now. Yeah. 
So understanding and recognizing who people are when, uh, you know, let's face it, heaven is going to have some really wonderful uh, perks to it. Among them, 1 Corinthians 13 says that when we see God, uh, you know, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now we know in part, then we'll know fully, even as we're fully known. If we know God in that way, if we know Jesus in that way, chances are we're going to know uh, those who've got ahead of us in Jesus in that way uh, as well. It's going to be a different relationship. It's going to be a perfect relationship. Uh, Mark Twain once said, the relationships we have right now, uh, we're like the moon. We have a dark side we show to no one. Mm -hmm. But in heaven, there is going to be no dark side. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to know and be able to receive and relate love perfectly. So don't worry uh, about that. Uh, don't worry that uh, somehow, you know, these perfect people are going to be off-putting or something. That, that's stained glass and image stuff. That's not uh, what the Bible tells us. Uh, a wonderful promise we have in First John chapter 3, we, we read, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. Mm. You know, want to understand how glorified people are going to relate to you? Look at how the glorified Jesus related to his apostles with glory, with truth, with compassion. Shoot, he even made them breakfast at one point. Uh, you know, put up with their yeah. their uh, their silliness and yet yeah. lovingly corrected them. Uh, you know, Jesus wasn't distant or aloof or floating twenty feet off the ground. The disciples going, oh, um, he was definitely involved with his disciples with perfect love. So look forward to seeing your loved ones again and look forward to loving them perfectly. I think it's going to be a, a really beautiful experience. So. Yeah. Um, and you, you answered Yari, I think I'm pronouncing that right, Yari, yeah. um, had questions about that, which you answered, what happens to our memories when we pass from this life to the next? I know we won't be dumber, <laughs> yeah. but we will be smarter, we will learn new things, automatically know. Also, people we didn't know on earth in heaven, will we learn about them or automatically know them somehow? And I was thinking of that verse too, that you mentioned in 1 Corinthians 13, that we will know as we are known right um and someone i remember it was a man i I really respected but he had a a theory about this recognizing if we'd recognize people in heaven and he thought that we wouldn't because if we recognize other people and we'd be like oh well so and so is here and so and so didn't make it that they would that we'd be sad about that that we'd be broken over who wasn't there but i believe that i mean this this is kind of a you know a pretty radical thought yeah but if we're going to know as we're known by God, we will see in that moment that all these decisions, even over salvations, were right and just. Yeah. And we will agree. You know, we'll be in agreement with what God has done. Cause the, yeah, the, and, and you know what? We're not going to be, uh, you know, a bunch of cold fish. God's not, God's not an emotionless great computer in the sky. Yeah. He's not, you know, Leonard Nimoy in Star Trek. Uh, this is illogical, you right. know. <laughs> we don't do emotions here. Uh, you know, we're told in heaven there's fullness of joy. Yeah. But, you know, we're told as well, you know, in the book of Revelation, we see heavenly beings looking at the earth during the tribulation period and making pronouncements of woe, you know. Uh, we, we see Jesus weeping over Jerusalem, yeah. knowing the decisions that they, mm. they made. So, you know, this is a lot to wrap our brains around, but, you know, God's not going to do a mind wipe mm. on us just to make the idea that uh, people that we loved made the wrong decision. Right. Oh, you won't even, you know, you won't have somebody to say, well, the former days won't be thought of or brought to mind any longer. Mm. Uh, and they'll say, well, God's going to do this mind wipe uh, on people. I, I don't believe that's true. Uh, because I think we are going to see uh, the, the grand scheme of things 
through not just the eyes of God, but the heart of God. Mm. The famous line from The Wizard of Oz, the tin man says, now I know I have a heart because it's breaking. Mm. Um, I'm not going to, you know, it's interesting how they talk about IQ uh, these days, your intelligence quotient, but they Mm. also talk about your emotional IQ. Mm. You know, that some people are very more adept at handling their emotions and doing it properly than other people are. Um, You know, we're going to have an emotional IQ that is off the charts because we're going to be like Jesus. And that means that we're going to experience the totality, if you will, of the emotional spectrum that God created us to experience. Being Mm. made in the image and likeness of God isn't just now I'm happy all the day, Mm. tra-la-la. It's it's sharing his heart. It's being able to experience genuine sorrow as well as the heights of of incredible joy and everything in between. Uh, and, and yet it'll be in perfect harmony with God's character. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, when people say, well, you know, I, I, I don't think so because then heaven won't be a place of joy and, and how could I possibly be happy? You know, I've had people say, oh, how could yeah. I possibly be happy? My pet's not in heaven. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> I think you need to take a step back and redefine what heavenly happiness is all yeah. about. Uh, you know, obviously, not to go off on a rabbit trail here, but, you know, if having your pet in heaven is going to make heaven heaven for you, you don't have your pet in heaven. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right. You know, and it is a place of fullness of joy, but it is also a place where we're going to be absolutely perfected. We're going to be just like Jesus, nothing more, nothing less, hmm. you know? And I mean, how could you be more than Jesus? But we're not going to be less than Jesus in our character, in our emotions, in our in our understanding of things, yeah. uh, and uh, and to me, that's daunting, hmm. because I have lost loved ones where I don't know, quite frankly, where they are. Right. You know, people say, "Do you think so and so's in heaven?" And the only way that I can answer that question is just to say that person is in the hands of a just and loving God right. who will always do the right do the thing. Right thing. Yeah. That's that's all I can say. Yeah. Because I'm not the judge of all the earth. Yeah. And I don't want to offer false hope, but neither do I want to say, well, you know, they did this and this and this before they died, so I'm sure they're in hell. You know, yeah. who cares what I think, you know? Um, I just want to live my life in such a way that when I pass on, the people that I love aren't going to say, gee, I wonder where Scott is, you know? Oh, my gosh, you know, I don't... I want to make my call on election sure, right. quite frankly. Yeah. Because in the words of an old German proverb, eternity's a long bargain. Yep. So for me personally and for those who perhaps I'm going to leave behind through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, you know, I, I want to make sure that, that my, my calling election is sure, that, that my salvation is secure. Uh, you know, I, I just want to passionately pursue Jesus, and I won't have to worry about these things. Yeah. But, but uh, sometimes I think we need to take a deep breath and realize that you know, we are just like little toddlers. We are like little infants. Mm-hmm. Um, just learning to walk, yep. you know, no matter how sophisticated and with it and together we might think we are spiritually compared to what we're going to be. Yeah. And boy, if you want to read through a passage of scripture that does the compare and contrast, uh, read through 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, you know, Paul makes uh, th- this analogy that uh, what we're going to be in heaven is like uh, the difference between, say, uh, an acorn and a mighty oak, mm. you know, a-, a little seed and a full-grown tree. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, all that's ne- uh, that is required for that tree is is in us now, and God's going to glorify us. But uh, I hasn't seen, or ear has heard, nor entered in the mind of man those things which God has prepared for us, especially what we're going to be like 
uh, when we're glorified. Yeah. But but uh, realize you're in for the whole Sheboygan, yep. as they say. Uh, we're going to be like uh, Jesus in every way, including yeah. uh, being able to experience joy and being able to experience sorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I never thought of it quite like that because God... God does have all these, even anger, you know, God has anger and all these emotions, but in a holy way, you know, we're told right. to, to be angry, but not sin. You right. know, anger itself isn't the sin, but but acting out in sinful ways and to to experience yeah. the pure version of all those emotions, you know. And I, and I tend to think, and I think it's very biblical, I think of like uh, Isaiah 6 and people that we, we, we read about in the Bible coming before God. The, the posture isn't like, oh, I'm glad you're there, God, I have some questions, you know, <laughs> get yeah. out the clipboard. Yeah. It's usually, you know, it's usually face down, as Isaiah, I'm right in saying that, right, Isaiah 6, I'm a, I'm a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the Lord and I'm undone. You know, that's, that's kind of the response when someone comes before the Lord. So I, I believe that's our main first response is going to be the glory and the awe and the, the praise and the, whoa, this was the person I was praying to and I'm unclean and he has made me clean and, and not like well what about so and so what about my dog what about this yeah. you know I think yeah. that's going <laughs> to yeah. I believe that's going to be the immediate because that's what I, I read in, in the word you know? yeah, you yeah. Know? And, and I think that's the best place to leave it yeah you know um, let him take it from there yeah and uh, <laughs> you know I mean Paul saw heavenly glory and his response to it all was I saw things it's not lawful for a man to utter in other words, I could yeah, tell you right. what it was like, but it'd be a crime. Yeah. <laughs> in essence. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but uh, we know it's going to be awesome because Jesus is there. Yeah. And what else do we need to know? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you think we'll learn in heaven? Was it was another question. I mean, I think about sure. a passage that's amazing to me. Uh, forgive me for not, is it Galatians, where it says about the, the angels want to look into this this work of grace that God has over us. Yeah, it's First Peter chapter one. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, even the angels want to look into it. And yeah, it's like wow, it's amazing. The angels are like, whoa, you yeah. know, look what God's doing. Will we be in that? Will we be learning and growing in heaven? Well, obviously, uh, you know, one of the the interesting commands at the end of First uh, Peter chapter five is grow in the grace and knowledge mm. of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's uh, what we were made for. Mm. And uh, you know, when we get to heaven, I think that ability to grow. And learn is going to be on fast forward. No longer is it going to be the uh, three steps forward, two steps back thing that we do here. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, people say, well, you know, we will see him as he is. You know, we will know as we are known and so on. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a, uh, a process there because, you know, let's stop and think about that for just a second. Who are we getting to know? The infinite holy God. Right. You know, and, you know, an interesting analogy is this, that uh, the uh, four living creatures who stand before the throne mm. uh, don't cease day or night saying, holy, holy, holy is mm. the Lord God Almighty. Uh, you know, it's almost like every time they look up, they see another attribute of him that just absolutely boggles their mind. And mm. these are these awesome angelic uh, beings that one of them appeared to us, we'd freak out. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I do think that, you know, people ask the question, is heaven going to be boring? Well, what's boring, <laughs> right? Uh, boring is, being bored is the emotion of purposelessness mm -hmm. and encountering things that are futile. You know, uh, if there's anything that's really boring, it's reading yesterday's newspaper, right? You already read it. Right. You already know it, what, what, what went on. Uh, you know, heaven won't be boring in the sense that 
the new creation that we were made in Christ is going to be something we're going to spend an eternity uh, enjoying uh, the presence of the Almighty God who was and is and mm-hmm. is to come, the Eternal One. Uh, you know, how long is it going to take you or me, uh, even without our fallen sinfulness, to fully wrap our minds around the awesomeness of God? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and maybe an analogy helps. Uh, you know, when I first got saved and I first started reading my groovy The Way Living Bible and all this, couldn't put it down. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, I mean, read through the whole book of Acts and I couldn't stop because it was just so good and was getting better and you know spend all night reading Acts and wake up in the morning have to go to school um, you know and, and I just love the word I just I couldn't get enough of it and yet this thought kind of hit me about uh, a couple years in I was like huh I wonder because like for the first time I was coming across passages that I'd read before and I thought huh I wonder if there's ever going to come a time where this is kind of boring to me Mm -hmm. i heard it heard it yeah 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 i get that i know what that says um you know that that question kind of troubled me but i have a little perspective on it now um that was 1976 um what we talking about here 40 some years (laughs) later on you know i look at the bible uh, 40 years some years later on i have a master's degree in biblical languages and theology I look at the word and God is always showing me something mm-hmm. new. I, I look at it and I just say, I just feel like I've scratched the surface of the amazing treasure that is God's truth. Mm-hmm. And if that's true for me in 40 years of space and time here on earth, how much more do you think that is going to be true for us when we are enjoying uh, the, the awesomeness of what heaven is all about? And I, I mean, the, the coolest and most wonderful thing about heaven to me is in Revelation chapter 22 it says that uh, there will be no temple there for the, the Lord and the Lamb are its temple. You know, they will see God's face and worship Him. You know, and if He's there, then what else do we need? Well, come up against the answer yeah, again. Right now. Time flies when you're having fun. Tonight, <laughs> exploring Revelation chapter 14, the harvest of the earth. Hope to see you there. You've God been bless. listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.